1: from KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. A draft plan issued Tuesday by the California High-Speed Rail Authority puts the cost of the 500-mile San Francisco to Los Angeles bullet train as high as $105 billion. That's about $5 billion more than previous estimates. The plan cites significant progress on the Central Valley portion of the rail system and in getting needed approvals. The draft plan is now open for a 60-day public comment period. And joining me now is High Speed Rail Authority CEO Brian Kelly. Really appreciate having you on with us, Brian Kelly. Thank you.
2: Good morning, Mina. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
1: And listeners, as always, you can weigh in with your questions about the status of high speed rail at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. Well, Brian Kelly, grabbing the headlines, of course, is this latest business plan, putting the cost of the project as high as $105 billion, and that is about a $5 billion increase from previous estimates. Can you tell us what accounts for that rise?
2: Yeah, I can't. You know, first, I want to just clarify that the way we do the cost estimates these days, because we're early in project development on much of the project is we use ranges. And so we have a low, low range of about 72, a high of 105. And our, what we call our base cost is coming in at about 88 uh, billion right now. That's the estimate for all of San Francisco to L.A. and Anaheim. What drove the changes from the last plan to this plan primarily is, uh, you know, it's a story of advancement, really. We finished the environmental clearance for two segments in Southern California, from uh, Bakersfield South to Palmdale, and then from the city of Burbank into downtown Los Angeles. And I think anybody who's ever developed a large mega project or a large-scale project, when you go through that environmental process, you are working closely with the communities and stakeholders, and you know there's impacts that they are identifying that they need mitigated. And so as you go through that process, you commit to certain mitigations along the way. And uh that has uh, impacted some of the cost here, and so you know we recognized about a five percent cost hit from the mitigations, largely attributed to the mitigations on the uh, to to roll through the environmental process on the the two segments in Southern california.
1: Mm. when you speak about mitigations and so on, it's been reported that construction impacts, especially on struggling communities in the Central Valley have been really significant. Uh, I think the LA Times reported residential water flows being affected, people not able to access their homes, crops that have been left to die and causing major pest problems. Uh, How does the new plan deal with these issues?
2: Well, first I'd say we have a lot of issues with what was in the LA Times story. We uh, had to speak to the editorial board and found 15 things that needed to be corrected in that story. But beyond that, look, any mega project is certainly gonna have impacts as it's constructed. The good news for us is that you know, we take that very seriously. My board has a policy of making sure the communities we impact are better because we're there, uh, not worse. And uh, in the case of the LA Times story, there was a specific residence that is, they did not sell the property uh, for the purpose of the project and some of the construction impacts are disturbing the property. So we're working closely with those residents now and uh, already uh, taking mitigation steps to deal uh, with that particular issue. On some of the other things in that story, we just have a different take, and we think the record is better than the time story indicated. All of that said, as we do the environmental documents going forward, as I said, we work with stakeholders and communities, and you know we want to have the least impact possible. And, and where we do have impacts, we want to mitigate those. So we work closely with local governments and stakeholder groups and Resources agencies to identify the things that need to be mitigated and we commit to do those and and that does come with a cost and That's uh, largely what's driven our our cost in this plan
1: We're talking with brian kelly ceo of the california high-speed rail authority Which just issued on tuesday its latest draft business plan, which is open for public comment Could you remind us brian kelly? where we are on this massive project. I mean, voters approved this in 2008. At that time, I think the cost was supposed to be about $33 billion. Um, I think the project consists of about like 10 pieces. What stage are we in?
2: Well, it's a great question. And I say that because I I think people lose the scale of this. This is a 500-mile project uh, between all, all really a greenfield project between San Francisco and la and anaheim and uh, where we are today is we have 119 miles we started in the valley because that's where federal dollars were granted to the state to get started we have 119 miles under construction in the valley and those that construction is progressing outside of that we are clearing the environmental process for the elements into the bay area and the elements into southern california so uh, of the 500 mile as i'm talking to you now we have environmentally cleared 300 of those miles. And by July of this year, July of 2022, we'll have cleared 430 miles, including the two segments that come from the Central Valley into San Jose and San Jose to San Francisco. So we're making a lot of progress. Things are advancing. But as I said, as we do, as you get more work done and you develop further where the project is and you you interact with the communities impacted, you do recognize that there's uh, things you have to uh, deal with, and and mitigation, environmental impacts, and mitigating those impacts is part of it. And so, uh, again, uh, we are transparent when we see the costs, We report those costs. That's what we did in this business plan. These are all estimates at this time, but as we finish that environmental work, our next step is to move to advanced design work in those segments so we can start bringing things forward like value engineering and, and other things and really refine those costs. I expect they stabilize a bit after we get to the environmental.
1: Hmm. Well, Annalise tweets, what are the biggest obstacles to environmental clearance on the segments not yet finalized and cleared, environmental, technical, or political? Uh, Before you answer that, I I was struck by the fact that I learned that the authority recently approved the final environmental impact statement for the 14-mile stretch between Burbank and Los Angeles. And I was wondering just how significant that was.
2: Well, I think— Uh, first, to answer your first question, there there are always um, you know the, the environmental process, particularly in California, is a very iterative process with the communities that that are impacted by the by the project by any project. Now, you know the best thing for me on this project is that what we are trying to build is an electrified system that is powered by renewable energy. Ultimately, the environmental benefits of this transportation investment are lasting and important, and in my view, the right investment. Uh, in this era of climate change. So this is the kind of thing we should be doing going forward for transportation in, in, in California. The political stuff, I mean, look, each of these environmental uh, segments or each of the segments of the project where we clear the environmental, it is a process of going back and forth with community leaders and working through where we can make changes and the things we can or cannot commit to. But it's iterative, we do that. Again, my board has a policy that we leave the communities better because we're there, not not you know not worse. And so, and so, those are the kinds of things we identify in this process and commit to. I'm confident we'll move forward and clear these environmental documents. And then the important step for us is to is to advance the design work so that we continue to work with the communities on what it looks like. Uh, sometimes in that process, you can find uh, both value through value engineering some cost savings, and you can also uh, mitigate some impacts through design. So there's mm-hmm. more things that we can do going forward. I, I, as I said, I'm confident we will clear. The environmental documents, uh, uh, just as they come up, as we work through them. So I, I think that'll be that'll all work uh, work out fine. And then, in terms of the significance of Burbank to Los Angeles, it's significant because it's it's just the second uh, environmental document we cleared in Southern California, uh, which is a you know ultimately a, a major population center for this project. And particularly Burbank to LA is an, an extremely urbanized. Uh, area and you know as i said we make we we make decisions to mitigate impact and i'm i'm proud to say that as we as we look at that that segment we're committing to uh, providing a train service that meets the burbank airport with our station just 200 feet from where the new terminal would be and in so doing we have to tunnel a little bit which adds some cost but the upside of that is through that urbanized area we're only impacting you know 12 residences which is uh, sort of remarkable considering uh, it's the most urbanized, one of the more urbanized areas in the state, and but those are the kinds of decisions we make to be least impactful, and, and to make sure we're we're leaving a project with great connectivity. In this case, between rail and air.
1: Well, Brandon writes, why do they want to build high speed rail to San Francisco instead of to the largest city in the Bay Area, San Jose? Wouldn't it be more efficient to bring it to San Jose and then use BART? To bring riders to their final destinations, wouldn't extending BART from San Francisco to San Jose be less expensive, less disruptive, and more useful than high speed rail?
2: Well, I mean, the short answer to that is we're going to both cities. Uh, our route goes from the Central Valley Merced uh, along the 152 corridor uh, into Gilroy and in downtown San Jose. And then our route comes up the peninsula, sharing the corridor with Caltrain, who's electrifying. Their system now with about uh, $715 million from the High-Speed Rail Authority, as that gets electrified, we'll share that corridor coming from San Jose into San Francisco. So our route will get to San Jose first from the Central Valley and then come up the peninsula into San Francisco.
1: Let me go to caller Steve in San Jose. Hi, Steve. Hi. Hi.
2: Um, Hi. Uh, I guess w- what confuses me is there are never options for spending this hundred billion dollars plus one is the high-speed rail. Um, The other is to take those hundreds of billions of dollars and buy tens of thousands of electric buses that you could put in all the major cities in California, move a whole lot more people to their jobs. um, It is zero carbon footprint than you ever would. with a bullet train. So, I'm kind of curious what the rationalization is for one decision versus
1: another. Hmm. Steve, thanks for sharing that. You know, Brian Kelly, one of the things that I'm struck by in hearing some of these questions and comments from our listeners is the fact that there has been some polling on people's support for for high-speed rail still, you know, since 2008. And there has also been basically some question as to whether or not we should really be using the funding that we are putting towards high-speed rail to bolstering other things, like maybe, as Steve is saying, electric buses or local rail services, as the previous uh, commenter was talking about, instead of funding a bullet train. And, and uh, this argument has actually also been raised by both Democrats and Republicans. So what what do you think of this? And it, you can also—you're welcome to address Steve's, Steve's question— Specifically, too. Well, thank you, Steve.
2: Sure. Well, thank you, Steve and Mina. To Steve's specific question, there are alternative ways you can invest these dollars. What, what my authority is charged with doing under the law in California is putting in place the project that the voters approved in 2008. And so that's what, that's what we've started to do. We've gotten, you know, at the time that bond passed, we got $9 billion for a project that that very same uh, you know, ballot pamphlets estimated at $45 billion. And again, that was before any real work was done uh, on the project. Now, of course, we know it costs more today, but we've grown that $9 billion into a, a larger budget that we have in hand, uh, around $25 billion, because we have cap and trade dollars and we have a federal contribution mm. to this project. And so we know we can get an operating system started uh, in the Central Valley. And as we finish the environmental work, Uh, we can extend that electrified system both south and north. Um, And so that is is what our plan is. Now, in terms of investing in other things, it depends what you want to accomplish. What high-speed rail accomplishes for us is, you know, connecting the Bay Area, the Central Valley, and Los Angeles in a way it is simply not connected today. Uh, You know, I-5 is the main corridor between San Francisco and Los Angeles, and it is a complete bypass around the communities of the Central Valley. And so, uh, you know, if you want to stay in your car or get in a bus and and travel uh, I-5 as it is today, that's an option. Whether those buses are electric or not, they'll be stuck in congestion. Uh, And that's the same that's true if you're using those buses on the the current highway system in California. While they're not admitting, uh, they will still be in the congestion that we see and live with every day. What high-speed rail offers is a way to get from point A to point B in a fraction of the time it otherwise takes in a way that's done extremely, uh, cleanly, uh, with zero emissions. And, uh, uh, and as we've seen around the country where you, you know, drive today from San Francisco to LA in eight hours, our train trip will take about three, um, where it takes four hours or to go from San Jose, say, to Fresno, our train trip will be an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, and so again, I think that's transformative stuff because it's non-emitting. I think it's the right investment for, this era of climate change and I've I've experienced high-speed rail in other parts of the world and I've seen how it works and so we have this ability to connect communities in a way that very few transportation investments can do because of the way it cuts down travel times and that, that that's an important element to all of this.
1: We're talking high-speed rail with the CEO of California's High-Speed Rail Authority Brian Kelly and you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Well, this listener on Instagram writes, I know it's expensive and we seriously lack infrastructure, but if it can cut down on future costs and emissions, then I consider this an investment. Michael writes, every public works program we see is always way over budget, way beyond the project schedule, the projected schedule, and delivers far fewer benefits than promised. Why should we believe the rail project is any different? Brian Kelly, what kind of federal and state funding are you expecting, and do you think it will be enough for the long-term life of this project?
2: Well, look, this project, as we noted at the outset of this program, is going to cost a lot of money over time. And so we will do what other transit operators and rail operators have done. You build the project in stages, in building blocks. And so it, just like the BART system in the Bay Area, when it was first constructed, it essentially brought people from the East Bay uh, into the bay, into San Francisco. And now today it's it's to the airport down the peninsula. It is coming into San Jose from the east side. It's starting its circle around the bay. But that it certainly didn't start there and it didn't start there because they didn't have enough money to do that. But it went from a smaller system to a larger system with a lot, lot more riders as they gained funding over time. And so the good news for us is that the combination of the Biden administration's work to expand infrastructure investment, particularly for clean, mm-hmm. new transformative infrastructure and the governor's uh, $15 billion budget proposal this year we think there's a lot of opportunity to make sure for example that our initial operating segment is double tracked that we can make early investments into corridors beyond just the central valley and we can continue to advance the project look, ultimately we'll need more funding for all the extensions that's true but we think we can get an operating segment going in the valley and we think we can uh, do important early investments and joint investments in projects that help local uh, local operators now and will ultimately uh, be important investments for us. So, for example, just an example of that. In the Bay Area, Caltrain is working to electrify their system from San Francisco to San Jose and ultimately to Gilroy. The High-Speed Rail Authority has put $715 million into that project. In the short term, it benefits Caltrain and its riders and the community because you're moving from diesel to electric trains. What's important for us here is that we we will also use that corridor when we're bringing our electric trains into san francisco uh, from the south Mm -hmm. bay and ultimately going off to the central valley and further south to los angeles so that's an example of the kind of early investments we would like to see done uh, because they provide an important benefit in the short term for local transit operators and in the long term it's an important investment for us so look you're right we're not going to do it all in one foul swoop we're going to do this in a building block way Uh, One operating segment at a time and because we started in the valley We want to start the operations there and then expand out into the Bay Area and into Southern, California
1: Well, we have calls and comments that we won't be able to get to but we do have a 60-day public comment period for this Can you remind listeners how they can submit comments and any deadlines? They should know?
2: Uh, Yes, we we, uh, introduced our plan uh, uh, Just um, earlier this week. Um, and you, that kicks off a 60-day uh, comment period. If you go to our website at chsra.ca.gov, there is, uh, you can comment there. Great. You can comment by getting in touch with us directly, or we have a public board hearing coming up on February 17th and in March.
1: Well, Brian Kelly, thank you so much.
2: Great. Thank you, Mina. I appreciate your
1: time. And thanks, Susie Britton and Grace Wan, for producing today's segments. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim.